Hi, welcome to Youth Diversions Podcast, part one of a two-part series on bullying. I am Joanna Conrad, and with me today is Steve Belair, Safe Schools Principal with the Windsor-Essex Catholic District School Board. Today, we're gonna talk about bullying, including risks for children who bully, those who are bullied, the school's role, and we'll finish up with some of our thoughts on some coping strategies. So welcome, Steve. Thanks, Joanna. It's a pleasure to be here. So we're going to talk about bullying and cyberbullying today because ultimately we know that bullying affects the majority of Canadian children, right? We know that when it comes to this behavior, it is an oftentimes daily reality for many kids and it's not really a part of growing up. So I want us to talk about what bullying and cyberbullying are and just to let parents know really what the difference is, is in terms of what your experience even is with the two. Well, bullying is bullying. What we're noticing is an increase in cyberbullying compared to bullying face-to-face, the um, physical type, even the verbal. Um, the message seems to be out there with the other students that verbal bullying, the physical bullying, is something that's not accepted and that when they see it, they will report it, they will address it. Sometimes they will even confront the person. However, because of the prevalence of all of the electronic devices, the ability to students to access those devices at all hours, that's where we see an escalation in the cyberbullying. And do you find that oftentimes kids with the cyberbullying, they just think that perhaps you know, it's not a big deal because they don't see the person or maybe the person doesn't see them. They're lacking that empathy, really, for the other individual and their feelings, perhaps? For sure. I think that's a, that's a key component to it. I also think there's a safety aspect in terms of you don't have to, uh, you may not feel that there's consequences in the moment as you're writing and typing or texting these types of um, comments that are being made. Whereas if it's face-to-face, there's that uh, relationship aspect to it. They may just feel that the consequences are not there immediate. However, as we know, uh, oftentimes consequences do follow and they come in a variety of different forms as well. Right. I know in our experience at Youth Diversion, when we speak with kids, oftentimes they'll say that uh, when it comes to the electronics and the cyberbullying, ultimately that they think it's just a joke and they, they refer to it as roasting, right? Where it's just meant to make fun of somebody, but in a playful way. And we know it's not playful. It is meant to cause harm. And in many times the kids, we just find that they really don't understand the consequences of that roasting commentary. Well, and we do come across that uh, from time to time where students will say that they were joking, roasting. However, for boys specifically, oftentimes they will tend to throw jabs at each other, little roasts here and there. But those are with a peer group. Those are with uh, people they developed a relationship with, that they are friends with, that they know that they're safe. So it can be taken in that context. When you're doing it with somebody that you don't have that relationship with, And that person has demonstrated either verbally or has written back to a post that they didn't appreciate it, they don't like it, it's unwanted, then immediately you know that that's not a joke. Right. So speaking of relationships, oftentimes people can also misconstrue the difference between conflict and bullying, right? And I think that in many times kids get the message or when we talk about bullying, they think that we're saying you have to be friends with everybody and you have to get along with everybody. But it's a matter of understanding the difference between the two. So what is the difference between conflict and bullying really in terms of something that parents need to understand, especially when talking to their kids? That's a good question. So when we're talking about bullying, we're talking about a power imbalance. It can be socially, it can be physically, it can be intellectually, and it's uh, targeted and it's repeated over time. 
And when we're talking about conflict, oftentimes those are, are one-offs or those are in a, a primary elementary school, middle school. It could be at a recess time. They're playing a soccer game. Somebody's upset a particular goal. There's a disagreement and either there's a verbal lashing out or there's a physical lashing out related to the game and the conflict in the game. And it's important in order for us to educate the students, for everybody to be aware of the difference between conflict and bullying. So why do you think some kids bully? In my experience, uh, oftentimes it's a lack of their own self-confidence, their self-esteem. So when you're highlighting somebody else's flaws or pointing out uh, imperfections, it takes the spotlight off of you. But there are cases where that particular student who's doing the bullying has been bullied in the past. So they've been the victim. So now they're trying to assert some power over somebody else. So there's a variety of different reasons why they do it. It's just our responsibility to educate why it's not acceptable. And when it comes to the targeted individuals, oftentimes people have the misconception that it is an individual who is different or odd in some way, right? Where And many times it can be a kid who is very well adjusted, but happened to maybe make a poor choice when it comes to posting something online. And so that can turn into bullying behavior. And it's important for people to know anyone can really be a victim of potential bullying. And so ultimately, as parents and as educators, it's important for us to really educate, like you said, uh, when it comes to being bullied, what are some of the behaviors that you see uh, as a result of that behavior? Some of the signs that children are being bullied, you, you'll find that sometimes they become depressed, they can develop some anxiety, they have lower self-esteem, they'll withdraw, they'll take a less or lower interest in their school activities. Sometimes they won't even want to talk about their activities that they're doing online. They uh, are embarrassed about being the victim of a cyberbullying. So there's a, there's a variety of different ways in which it can affect those people who are going through bullying or cyberbullying. And uh, it's just, it's important that the adults in their lives recognize that there's been a change in behavior. And that's where you have to start to um, ask questions because we know the one key factor for students uh, and children who are bullied is a strong, healthy relationship with adults. And I think it's important for us to be mindful of the fact that we not just only have to worry about the potential target of the bullying, but also the actual bully themselves and the behaviors that they exhibit. We know that they're much more likely to actually commit a criminal offense when they become an adult, but especially for males, they're also much more likely to become uh, ultimately abusers in a relationship where they might potentially be hurtful to a partner. So definitely we need to be mindful of that again, trying to circumvent that behavior before it becomes super problematic. So how common would you say that bullying is in schools? Um, Like I said, I I think physical, the verbal, those types of bullying incidents in the school, they are decreasing, whereas the cyberbullying seems to be on the increase. And I think that's terrific. But I know that there's going to be parents out there that say, you know, maybe this is happening at my school, but my kid is still being bullied. So what do I do about this? And, And how do I deal? And how do I help my kid cope? If your child is being bullied and you know that they're being bullied from somebody within the school, then the first thing you need to do is you need to report. You need to connect with the school and be part of the solution, be part of the partnership between home and school. If the parents are setting a standard and are reporting and they're taking the responsibility, then 
that's how we're going to work together to help solve these issues. So if a parent comes across a child that's being bullied, first thing I would tell them to do is block that person. Take a screenshot of whatever it is. Uh, so keep a record of it, bring it into the school, show them that uh, this is what's been happening and what's ongoing. Parents also have to be open to the fact that there may be a backside to that where their child may also have sent some of the inappropriate communications in an earlier email, and this could have been a sort of back and forth as well. But it, the first and most important thing is to make sure that we report it, we address it, and then we come up with a plan and interventions that we can put in place. Right. And that education piece is really important. And, and I think at Youth Diversion, it's one of our main goals at this point in time in terms of addressing bullying uh, and when when we talk to parents oftentimes we'll say educating kids is almost like uh, about the internet and, and allowing them access to the internet whether you're giving them a phone or you're giving them a laptop you can't just give it to them without any kind of information right it's just as though you wouldn't give a kid a car without giving them some driving lessons to begin with right so you need to let them know what they need to know about the internet how it's potentially dangerous what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, because we oftentimes we just let kids go on there and that's what oftentimes leads to problematic behavior, which of course has very detrimental effects for many. I like that analogy of the, uh, the car and we don't just put our children in a car and say good luck. And the one thing I would say is that a child should not be in their bedroom by themselves, hours upon hours, and going through and being involved on that, that internet. They're wonderful tools they can access. They can be a great social activity for the, for the students, but there are so many dangers to it and parents really need to be monitoring that. And when they're in their rooms and they come home from school and they're up there, they come down to eat and they go back up to their room. And sometimes we're hearing stories of students that are up till one, two, three o'clock in the morning, getting texts, getting messages, and it really impacts their learning uh, because they become more concerned with what the next Snapchat post is going to be, um, who's posting what. So they're, they're always on alert for what's coming next on their phone, as opposed to getting that good, well-rested sleep and transferring that into a strong academic day and productive day for them at school. Absolutely. And we know that at Youth Diversion as well when it comes to the time that they spend on their devices. No one's saying that the internet is bad or that social media is bad. It's just as you said that there are great things about it, right? The only problem is is that when that kind of overpowers their lives, right? And and uh, ultimately when the online component becomes more important to them in terms of what what they're doing, um, you know, what else they're doing with their time, but also in addition to that, how they're behaving with one another and ultimately how they're treating one another. So when it comes to monitoring that, oftentimes we'll say to parents that it is at the end of the day, their home, right? The device is for the most part purchased by them, perhaps in their name. So ultimately they do have that stand to be able to stand up and say, you know, hey, I'm the parent, this is what it is. Uh, we understand that there have been stories where I've had parents come to me and say, well, my kid is being bullied because I have rules at home. And I'm saying to my kid that they can't have a phone in their room past 10 o'clock at night, but everybody else's parents is allowing them. So what do I do then? Because now my kid is the victim of bullying uh, because I have rules. and and. At that point, uh, it becomes really challenging to be able to provide parents with uh, strategies when it seems like 
we're not all working together, right? And obviously people have different rules and different things that are acceptable to them and in their homes. And and is there any common ground or leeway that we can determine would be a good way to go here? Well, I would say parents, it's really important that you set those boundaries, regardless of what other parents are doing. And when we've talked with students, uh, even though sometimes they'll fight it, they appreciate the boundaries that are being set by their parents because they understand it's because they care. And the kids, the children really want to know, the students really want to know that their parents are there watching out for them, caring for them. They may resist. They, they want to push the boundaries. They're adolescents. They're, that's their role to try and push and get more freedom for themselves. But knowing they're fighting uh, that boundary because of the parents' safety aspect of it. So I know in my own home that my boys, they're not allowed on their electronics from Monday until Thursday. So during the week, it's really important that they concentrate on school, they do their homework, they find ways to connect with uh, other friends on a variety of different avenues like face-to-face, hop on your bike, go to your friend's house. Um, but in terms of the electronics, if, if you're not setting those boundaries, students are naturally inquisitive, they're going to go, they're going to explore, they're going to, to push the boundaries with whatever's in front of them, whether it's their phone, whether it's their um, Xbox, Playstations, all of those sorts of things. So parents need to set the parameters and they need to monitor. So at any point, if a, a student, if their child has a passcode on their phone, parents should have that passcode. No, no child should have a passcode where their parent cannot have access to that. And the one thing that parents need to understand too is the legal side of it is if there's something on there that their child posts or does criminally, well, who's responsible for that? It's the owner of the phone. Who's the owner of the phone? Well, it's the parent because they're, they're the one that has to sign the contract for their child to be on that, to have that plan. So their child isn't old enough to enter into legal contract, so they become responsible. So that's another aspect that they have to be aware of and a good reason and excuse for them to make sure that they're going on and monitoring and looking to see what posts, what's happening. Um, and also some students don't report if they're being bullied, if they're victimized. So you want to go on and check and make sure it's appropriate communication and you know that they're not being a victim or that they're not doing something to somebody else. Well, Steve, thanks so much for coming out this morning and talking to us about the internet and bullying and cyberbullying. We know that the internet and social media can be fun and super cool, but with it comes responsibility. So have fun with technology, but exercise caution when using it. We know that a joke is meant to be funny, but not at the expense of other people's feelings. So what we're saying to parents is ultimately exercise that caution, talk with your kids and educate them that joking is fun, it's great, but it can be potentially one click away from cyberbullying.